And over my career, I've worked in beauty. I've worked in uh, pharmacy. I've worked in gambling. And it's a natural segue to go to tradies. About 91% of transactions are through our loyalty customers. 100% online, but 91% overall. And that means that we know exactly who they are, everything about them, and can target them one-on-one like never before. This is the time to go out and strike. This is the time to be aggressive and to win market share. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Here's your host, Bushy. Welcome to another episode of Add to Cart. I'm Bushy and I'm joining you from the land of the terrible people, otherwise known as Brisbane, Australia. On Add to Cart, we welcome everyone to share and listen to e-commerce stories. The more diverse, the better. I want to especially welcome the traditional owners and the original storytellers of the land that we are on, our Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander listeners, to join us in our e-commerce conversations and our community. Coming to you today from another live event. We're on a bit of a roll with our live events and we love bringing our conversations into a packed room. It's much more fun than being the Lone Ranger in my studio. This time we are in Melbourne at Emasis Power to the Marketer event. Now, Power to the Marketer is a global event and this year's theme was elevating the art and science of marketing. It was a full day jam-packed with presentations and conversations around customer and loyalty. My guest today is Darren Gunton, GM of Marketing and E-Commerce at Total Tools, Australia's largest independent professional tools retailer with 81 franchise stores and doing over $1 billion in revenue, $1 billion. In this chat, Darren channels his customer, the tradie, swear words and all, just a heads up if you've got kids with you. He shares how he is pushing the boundaries of hyper-personalization with loyalty programs that services the 1.9 million tradies that Total Tools has on its database. Total Tools is one of Amasa's longstanding and proudest customers. He also shares how a fail-first mentality is his mode of choice and how he goes face-to-face with his customers sometimes with shitty results. It will all make sense in the chat, I promise. But there's also a truckload of loyalty tips and a passion for the customer. I always love these chats, much more than the prim and proper ones. We're going to kick off our chat with Darren and then close with some takeaways with Amasa's Will Wilson, who is the Regional Vice President of Sales for APAC and Japan and was also the host with the most on the day. So, Thanks to Amasis, here's our live chat with Darren Gunton, GM of Marketing and E-Commerce at Total Tools. Okay, so fun fact, every Monday morning, I start my week with a very specific ritual. That ritual is to look at the latest episode of Add to Cart with Nathan Bush. If you are in e-commerce or retail in Australia, you should absolutely pull out your iPhone right now, search for Add to Cart with Nathan Bush and hit subscribe because it is a really fantastic insight into the leaders in our region and what they're doing in our space. So we have a very big treat today. We are doing a live recording of the Add to Cart podcast with Nathan Bush, who has a special guest, one of our very strong advocates, Darren from Total Tools. So 
I'm not going to stand in the way of the last session. I'm going to introduce Nathan and Darren to the stage. Thank you, Will. I feel like we need a podcast just to learn more about your routine. I'm curious. We've learned a lot about you today. So from McDonald's to the gym you're joining, you're a, you're a riddle to me. So we are recording this and broadcasting, so that doesn't mean you can't heckle. We're okay with heckling. It's probably more of a warning for you, Darren, as a publicly yeah, listed no company. I'm used to a bit of heckling, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right, let's kick off with a question that will probably dictate where we go in our chat today. So we've had a full day of learning about customers, loyalty. What is the one takeaway that you will take away from today and use at Total Tools or the one thing that you want to call bullshit on? Yeah, I think one of the things, uh, there's probably two kind of key kind of takeouts for me. One is just the authenticity of all the presentations today and having it all come from an honest truthful place and some sort of really actionable things that we can take away from this. I think it's really good. There are lots of little things that you can take away and I don't want to call bullshit on another company or anything, but I was at a big competitor, I suppose, overseas and it was just all marketing bullshit buzzwords all day and nothing practical and it just seemed like Australia is so far ahead of um, where the world is at the moment in, in loyalty and, and this space. The other big thing which I thought was really cool, being a Gen Xer, is the, the gender equality thing that was spoken about and um, how females have caught up from the pay gap, and I think that's, well, catching up nearly there. So that really makes me happy, personally, so I thought that was a really cool takeout. Yeah, and Simon's presentation was amazing. Yeah, it was um, great, wasn't it? It was really oh, cool. I've, like, I've been on my phone deep diving into his content. It's been awesome. But from a Total Tools perspective, when you looked at all those different demographics, could you easily work out where your customer sits? Oh, hell yeah. It's so funny because I've just been doing a whole lot of deep dive analysis into our customer and looking at our customer over the last month or so, just because we're coming into budget season, we're coming into planning for next year, where do we need to shift and pivot? What do we need to do for the future? And, you know, a couple of big key takeouts from that was one is that our existing customer base, which is mainly the 26-year-older group, mainly males because they're tradies. They're tradies and we've got a, a bit of a gender equality issue there. But they've shifted in their communications patterns. You know, if I look at a, six years ago or throughout my career, motor retail was all about catalogue, uh, radio, TV, all those things. And I grew up making TV ads, making radio ads, doing model shoots when I was in beauty and all those sort of things on a day in, day out, catalogues, churning them out. And just seeing the shift over like the last bit of research I've been looking at, it's all email, it's all website that's driving everything to the point where I'm going, I'm spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on, still on catalogue, but a lot, lot less, and still on radio. Like, do I just ditch them? What's the point? Social media is like jump right up. We do a lot there. But looking at that under 26, and it was just kind of mirrored in um, some of the research today, going, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're focusing on next. And it was really insightful to see. Uh, I've heard from Bernard Salt, which is actually from the same group about a month ago. So really mirrored some of that stuff as well. But it's fascinating to see where those people are changing and how to uh, target those groups. And so considering that whole mix, because you do go across e-commerce, loyalty, advertising as the GM, where are you putting most of your investment? Yeah, so I think it's where do I reinvest? Where our time and energy is going into is 
say the customer, and the, and the customer will shop wherever the hell they want to shop, and that will change over time. So one of the things I've found over the last five years in particular that e-commerce, and if you take e-commerce out of it, its website is the number one driver of visitation to stores. So the bricks and mortars being driven by the website, whether they shop through the e-commerce part or whether they're researching and then going into store to purchase or click and collect or whatever, it's really getting that channel right. To then activate that behind the scenes is the loyalty proposition. We now have about 91% of transactions through our loyalty customers, 100% online, but 91% overall. And that means that we know exactly who they are, everything about them, and can target them one-on-one like never before, whether it's on the website or through email marketing or through SMS or any of the other channels. Am I right in reading that you're doing over a billion dollars in sales at the moment? We are. Like, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny when I started, you know, we weren't doing anywhere near that. It was a couple hundred. To be breaking the, the billion dollar barrier was a big milestone for the business. But just seeing all the change over the, the period that I've been around and the team implementing all that, which has been you know, fantastic. And most of the, the people in the marketing team have been there the same time as me. So it's one collective team. We've been um, changing history, so to speak. And so on a scale then, those numbers that you said around 91% of those transactions in store being identifiable, 100% online, what mechanisms or processes have you put in place to get those numbers so high? So we did a lot of things. When I first came on board and and Elise, our head of group loyalty as well, was involved as well, we changed loyalty proposition. So the proposition was terrible and we needed to make it fit with our consumer. And our tradies are they're pretty down to earth and you need to have a program that focuses on leveraging them to come back. There wasn't the proper methodologies, there wasn't the proper KPIs of frequency to get them back in, there was none of that and we had to change the whole fundamentals of the program so it worked to be able to leverage them to get them back. And then we also had to engage the stores, we're franchise based, so we had to win the hearts and minds of all the individual store managers, franchisees, those people to sell the sizzle and build the sausage as well. It's funny that you talk about sausage sizzles and loyalty because we're getting into competitive territory there, aren't we? Yeah, we sure are. Yeah. <laughs> and we do a lot of sausage sizzles as well as um, it's probably alluding to one of our big competitors, which is, is Bunnings. And probably the big kind of point of difference between us and Bunnings is if you, you're a tradie and you go into Bunnings, you've got a very limited range of tools. Uh, you go into us... Uh, compared to Bunnings, we've got a massive range. We're about a third of the size of a Bunnings and dedicated to just tools. So I, I grew up on tools. My dad had a building business from six years old. I was handing tools to my dad. Over the career of my career, I've worked in beauty. I've worked in uh, pharmacy. I've worked in gambling. And it's a natural segue to go to tradies. Um, but yeah, so it was a really good segue. So, you know, when we're talking to our customer there, they want that range. You know, surety on price, surety on trip surety, so the product will be there when they get it. Because when they're buying, they're buying for a need. So it's not like they're going, oh, I really wouldn't like that angle grinder, mate. It's like I've just broken my angle grinder. I need one now because I'm doing a job. So they need to get in get one. So that's how they operate. So it's not like, oh, yeah, I'll add this too. I'd love to get one of those. Oh, no, no, it's they need it right now. So that's a lot of what we think about too is how do we get in the shoes of our customers and think like our customer. From 
a loyalty perspective, you've obviously got a really clear loyalty proposition there with the three-tiered program. Can you explain to us how that came about and how you got to the point of knowing that they were the right tiers that would appeal to that audience that you described? Yeah, so we did a lot of research. And, and firstly, the, the proposition when we changed it needed to be driven by how do we leverage the customer to come back? Um, and a lot of people don't think through loyalty. They go, oh, I need a loyalty program. I'll put one in. They don't think through why. And why do you need one? How does your customer shop? What do you need to do to leverage them to come back in? Uh, what are the leverage points to get them back in? So we looked at that really extensively. We looked at the frequency of visits and then modelled our tiering structure based on that and then leveraged up the top tier. So the top tier gets double points. They get a whole lot of added soft and hard benefits to make them aspire to get to that. And once they're there, we've got those leverage of points in their bucket. They go, oh, I've got to come back and use them and I prefer to use it. And I don't want to give that money away, so I'll, I'll keep shopping at the same spot, which works a treat. One of the funniest things was actually working out what the, they were called. We had these funny names. Oh, we can call it Diamond Blade, or you know, we can. Oh, this, you know, this is really cool. We are so smart. You know, look at these things. We went back to a customer and they're like, no, nah, that's too difficult. Can you use bronze, silver, and gold? Like, oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. So you know, it's really understanding your customers and how to leverage them. Yeah. What are some ways that you're using data at the moment that might surprise people, that might even go beyond marketing in terms of intelligence about your customers and the propositions that you put forward as a business? Oh, man, we, after every single transaction, we ask them about why they shopped, what was the reason for their purchase. We ask them what channel influenced their purchase, so we know exactly with every promo, everything we've done, everything they've bought, what's influencing that. Every single decision we make is based on customer feedback. So, you know, we do the most amazing stuff all the time and ask them the questions on the drop of a hat. I remember I was working at a large auto retailer here in Australia and we were trying to work out our loyalty program at that time, what offers, what cashbacks, all that sort of stuff. And this had gone through multiple meetings and multiple focus groups and et cetera. And we were trying to work it out. We couldn't figure it. And I was sitting next to the CRM manager one day and he was like, why don't we just call our top five customers and ask them what they think? We got the answer like that. So is it the same for you? Is that even though you've got these millions of records and you could crunch numbers till the cows come home, that picking up the phone is sometimes the best way to get those insights? Yeah, yeah. so a classic example of that for me is we have these things called VIP nights for our customers twice a year and every single store does a massive event and we put on a barbecue or we bring pizza in we've got grog there so they have a beer and they chat with mates and we've got a deal on we've got all the reps in there so it's great it's a, it's a really good microcosm of our customer base where we get a big concentration twice a year i work at a lot of them on the microphone doing competitions and random funny shit and and just talk to customers so wh- one of the insights i was pulling out from our data was that looking at our trades and who was buying what was was looking at the people that were buying automotive tools and it wasn't mechanics. And I was like, what's going on here? And then looking at the, the people buying them, the biggest group buying mechanics was actually carpenters. I was like, that just does not make sense. What's going on here? So I worked in a store and I, I saw some people in that automotive area looking at tools. And I asked one who was looking at a big toolbox to go, uh, so are you a mechanic? And he's like, nah, I'm a carpenter. I'm like, oh, okay, why are you buying? Oh, I've got a project car. Oh, I love it. You know, so I'm working on to buy that. I'm like, okay. And then I talked to another guy and he was just looking at individual hand tools in the automotive area. And I go, so uh, 
are, are you a carpenter? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm a mechanic. I go, well, why aren't you buying the, the big kits? He goes, man, what do I do is I buy replacement small bits where I have to get into an awkward area. So what I do is I cut it with a grinder, weld it in a weird angle, and then I've got this toolbox called Frankenstein's Toolbox. And that's where all my tools are. And that's when I come to Total Tools. I just buy my replacement bits here, and that's how it all works. And I'm like, oh, my God. So you, I wouldn't have got that insight without, you know, first using the, the mm. data, the secondary source of data, and then actually getting the primary data by doing that qualitative, actually standing and talking to people. Yep. And do you have a process within your team that encourages your team to go out and meet customers in person beyond those nights? Yeah, so those events, so the whole team goes out. So we all work, whether on the barbecue or somewhere out there, so we can actually spend time with the customer as well. But we also... We get that immersive bit through that, but we, we also have exceptional, voracious A-B testing and trialling and using data and seeing what's going on and, and using our, putting out surveys and stuff throughout the whole team. So it's kind of like we have a sort of a fail-fast mentality, yep. and um, so we just get it out there, hack it together, try it. If it works, keep it going. If it doesn't work, stop it, learn. How can we change? But all based on that customer data. What can we learn out of that? Uh, and what we learn doesn't work is just as valuable as what we work does work. Have you got any examples of what hasn't worked? So um, some great uh, classic examples of that. One was, um, and this is kind of a bit probably contentious one. One is our, our customers, if you think about it, they're buying because they need it right away. Then they need price surety. They need to make sure the price is right. So, so I was like, oh, my God, you know what would probably work then? is if we did a price match thing where they could click and it'll instantly scrape and then say, look, I've found a dollar cheaper and I'll match. So, oh, yeah, that that makes logical sense. Sounds great. Theory's great. Put that in. It actually took us about two months, that one, to backwards and forwards to get it working. The third-party provider put it out there and there was no change in overall from the two with people that had that were not doing that just on the page. There was a change if they clicked on it and just to do a price match. Only two actually had the price difference, so that was a bit of a waste. Yeah. But people clicking on the pop-up to say, yeah, we, you can check this, yeah. do you want to check, actually gave about a 5% uplift. But the cost on actually doing that as an ongoing service through a third party didn't equate to the, the returns. We're like, don't need to do that, but... Um, we can actually replicate that ourselves because we don't actually need to do anything other than saying we will price match as a pop-up. So, yeah, that's something we did. So- well, and now you've done it, is that the conversation stops internally and go, we've got the data on it, we can prove that, yes, it didn't work and yeah, we can move on with our lives. It's, it's always good to retest too. Like yeah. we always come back to things that we it either didn't work or did yeah. work and go, just because it didn't work two years ago doesn't mean it won't work today or just because it's, we did work two years ago and we're still doing it, we need to test that it still works. Otherwise, you're doing something that's not working, which is even worse. Mm. One of the themes from today has been, obviously, the economy that we're in, that it is challenging, that we've got to be smarter around how we go about things. Hands up here if you were in a marketing position in the 2008 recession, the big one. Okay, not too many. So what happened before that was everything was around quality. So all of the advertising we're doing was around price premium, quality. If you're in homogenous versus heterogeneous, homogenous stuff, you didn't need to be the lowest price. It was all about, you know, you could push service, you could push quality. If you're in heterogeneous, which is selling your own brand of products, which no one else can copy, then it didn't really matter anyway, right? But everything was all around premium. As soon as that hit, 
And I remember the Christmas around then, and I was working in beauty at the time, the market smashed, and um, it just went to discounting. And I'm starting to see a bit of that here, where the customer is valuing value. And that's what you'll probably start seeing, if you haven't been through it, it's coming, or it's about it's hitting us now. And you'll probably see it around this Christmas, where people... Black Friday will be huge because people are buying on value. And then the Christmas, I reckon all the retail data coming in will be that retail sucks through Christmas and, and there'll probably be a few retailers going broke because of it. Um, that's what we're looking into now. But luckily, well, not, we're kind of blessed in the way that it doesn't affect us at Total Tools. But I do feel for a lot of the retailers in the room. I think it's a good point. But value can mean different things. It doesn't always mean discounting, right? Value to different customers. What does value look like for Total no, Tools? No, but I think the value is always going to be compared to the competitor. If you're in a homogenous, which you've got someone else can buy product X somewhere else, they're going to be saying, if, if you're more expensive, they're not going to buy it yep. because you've got better service. They're going to be looking, come to use for the service and then go to them for the product. Yep. Um, so I've been burnt on that before and that's what's going to be happening. However, if you look at the whole value proposition, the customer value proposition overall, one of the key things is going to be, for us, is having the product in stock. So those sort of other metrics, having the product in stock, being convenient. Um, So convenience can mean lots of things. Can I get it the same day rather than, you know, are you close to me? All those sort of things are really more poignant now than they were a year ago Mm. to three years ago to five years ago to 10 years ago. And I think from your demonstration of how well you know your customer, that your customer needs it for that job, needs to get in, get out, kind of knows what they're talking about, might need a little bit of steering here and there, is very different to, say, those in the beauty industry who might want to engage and really learn and be more involved. So I think that comes from the base, is understanding that customer first. Yeah, that's right. But I think we all kind of freaked out when Amazon came to the market and then we all had a sigh of relief when it didn't do anything. And then um, now they're coming back with a vengeance. And it's going to be about that convenience because... And you see a lot of competitors that were really big in that sort of space are now being eaten from them by the fact that you can order it and get it same day. So that's going to really eat into, and you get it for free because it's, you know, with Prime, you get the same day delivery for free. So that's the big sort of elephant in the room that we need to be careful of uh, in the current conditions. So bringing it back to customer and loyalty and as an Amasis event, tell us, as a long-term Amasis customer, over the next 12 months, you mentioned some of the themes that you're seeing and that you are a bit hesitant on what's coming. How are you going to leverage the most out of the platform over the next 12 months? Yeah, I think whilst I would say the market you know, may be interesting for retail in general over the, the next 12 months, um, this is the time to go out and strike. This is the time to be aggressive and to win market share. And so um, the harder you can go, the better. So from our point of view, it's really pushing the boundaries in hyper-personalization. So how can we really bring all that we know about the customer, personalize as hard as we can to the next level that no one else is, and delivering those products to the customer in an omnichannel fashion? So we're looking at everything we can and putting all guns blazing at that now and a number of other initiatives to try and really push the envelope. Uh, now's the time to do it. Now is the time. And using a tool like a master switch is amazing. That gives you the flexibility and the strength and the agility to do it. You can act really quickly, learn really quickly, fail or succeed, pivot, change, and try again. But do it now. Right. I think that's a great point to wrap up on. Everyone, give it up for Darren. 
Thank you very much, everyone. There we go, Will. That was a great chat with Darren. Now, you were MC for the whole day, Power to the Marketer. How was that for you? It was full on. It was an amazing day, kind of action-packed with all of the customers and guests and partners that were in the room. It was a big high, and I think Darren really ended the day very nicely with his energy. (laughs) I think there was plenty of energy there. There's no doubt about that. So for those who may not have been in the room, Will, can you just give everyone a bit of a brief overview? Because Darren was one part of a whole day's worth of content. Can you give everyone a little bit of an overview on what Power to the Marketer was? Power to the Marketer for us is is actually much bigger than just the day. Power to the Marketer really is the reason that we all get out of the bed in the morning. You know, our vision as a business is to give more power to the marketer to make their life easier and really execute on the business outcomes that they want as a business, whatever their business might be. Power to the Marketer, the event, is really the embodiment of that globally. Uh, It's an opportunity every year to really celebrate our customers and our product and our business, our future together. It's a global series, so it kicks off in New York. We had it in London, Munich, Melbourne, and Hong Kong. So it's an opportunity to connect and learn more about how other customers are using the platform, talk about some of the industry trends that we're seeing, particularly as we look forward now to 2024 and um, the state of retail and e-commerce and you know what we are seeing next year. So yeah, it's, a, it's an action-packed day in reality for those who attend, lots of networking opportunities, lots of ideas shared, and hopefully a bit of fun as well. It was lots of fun, no doubt about that. What I loved about it is obviously it is a global event, so you have people from all over the world there and you're collecting all those lessons. But it's also for those who attend, if they choose to wish to take it up, there are actually learning credits available, which I think is really unique for an industry event. Now, if you talked there about some of the trends that you saw coming through, what were some of the key trends or highlights from a content perspective that you saw in Melbourne 2023? I think the Melbourne 2023 event, for me, what really stuck out was the customer stories. I just mentioned that before. Just seeing how customers are thinking differently about how to get outcomes in, particularly in the current macroeconomic environment. You know, we have had a a shift to retention marketing for a lot of brands in this period. And Amasis is obviously very well positioned to cater for that. For me, one customer story that really stuck out was Sophie Lawson from Village Roadshow Theme Parks, an amazing business up on the Gold Coast. A lot of us have childhood memories going to their parks. They launched with a master's this year and they're now seeing over 80% of revenue attributed to the campaigns that they're sending from a master's, which is really, really incredible, but also an opportunity for their team really to level up and advance their skills and and their focus and and have far more of a strategic mindset about you know where their business is going and and how they're going to get there. I think the other story. I think if I can just interrupt you there, if we're being honest, you have more recent memories than childhood memories. I think we heard about you going on roller coasters. Are you getting special access there? Uh, we did get special access. Yeah, the team are very generous. I would highly encourage everyone to reach out because we had the opportunity to visit them on site and their office is literally attached to, to Movie World. And so 
yeah, we had the opportunity to go on the fastest, longest ride in the Southern Hemisphere. So if you want a photo of me on a roller coaster looking absolutely terrified, <laughs> I think it's socializing somewhere out there in the world, which is... We, <laughs> need, that. we need that in the world. brand. <laughs> <laughs> And and so if we take our attention to the conversation that we just heard with Darren, like you said, this was the last conversation of the day. And I think Darren brought it home really well. Great energy, really authentic, didn't hold back from sharing. We usually do a wrap up at the end of our episodes where I give my three insights that I took from the conversation, but I'm throwing it to you today, Will. I'd love to hear from you. What were the three insights you got from Darren? I think you said it really well. Darren is a ball of energy. He's also very, very experienced. And, and I think really what came across in the conversation is that he really understands his business and his customer very, very well. And that is something that is very, very important for any marketer, you know, globally to service your customer in that way. I think a couple of insights from my perspective, you know, Total Tools is now over a billion dollars of revenue. And Darren talked about the fact that the website still remains a key driver for foot traffic in the stores. You know, tradies really run their business on their mobile phone. You break a tool that can often directly impact your revenue that day or that week because it's a job that you're working on. Being able to understand and locate the product and research that very quickly in real time is a really important path to purchase for the Total Tools business. And I think they've really nailed that. The other interesting aspect is that they have actually simplified their website to cater for that demographic. It doesn't have to be too fancy. It needs to get the job done and and have a bit of utility attached to it. And that's really based on the feedback that they had from their customers. I think the second big uh, insight for me is that 91% of transactions are coming from a loyalty customer. That's a phenomenal statistic. You know, that's massive, right? So they've done a really good job clearly of understanding the customer again, and giving them what they want in terms of a loyalty program. And then the last one, I kind of just hinted on it in the first point, every decision they make in the business is based on customer feedback. So customer is at the center of everything that they do. And I think Darren definitely embodies that, but that's really showing the value. I mean, we've worked with Total Tools since before they were acquired by Metcash and they're doing some amazing things now and and a real beacon for for growth. And I think the rest of the business is learning from them in, in a lot of ways, which is very inspiring. Fantastic takeouts. I agree with all of them. Really great summary of the conversation. You should have my job. All right. Now, you probably don't want to think about this, but looking ahead to next year, like you said, power to the marketer is almost built into the Amasis DNA now. What can we expect for 2024? I think that it always gets bigger and better. This year's theme was elevating the art and science of marketing. And I think we will continue to elevate the event every year. You know, we'll get better speakers, more content, more networking opportunities, probably better more podcast speakers. hosts. What was that? Better <laughs> podcast hosts. <laughs> I don't think we can top that. I think you did a fantastic <laughs> job, Nathan. Uh, and I think probably more, more cities next year, I think. So probably expanding it. But I think it's one really to put in the calendar. It really is such a great opportunity in each of the local areas globally to connect with like-minded marketing professionals and really learn from each other. So yeah, next year will be bigger and better. I have no doubt. Wow, that's a big challenge to the team. But I agree with it. It's truly unique and really valuable 
event to go to. It's one that you can actually justify being out of the office for a whole day for. <laughs> well, as you said, there's learning credits. It, it really is a, an L&D focus. So there's meant to be like tangible learning outcomes from it, as well as the, the connections you can make in your career and, and for your business as well. Great. Now, Will, if we have heard either Darren's conversation or some of the stories that you've thrown down there around you being on roller coasters and the success that Village Roadshow have had, what's the best way for people to learn more about Amasis or get in touch with yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think the website's always the best, masters.com. We have the ability to request a demo and see lots of our customer stories on our website, kind of shares who we work with and, and how we work with them. So I think the website is the best location really to to hit up a master's and we would love to have a conversation with any business or brand or professional that wants to have that conversation. Great stuff. Will, thank you so much. Well done on emceeing a brilliant event. <laughs> Go get some sleep. Thank you very much, Nathan. Thanks for joining us today on Add to Cart. To listen to all our e-commerce conversations, now in the hundreds, you can head on over to addtocart.com.au. There, you can also join up to our free private Slack community to share e-commerce ideas, tips, and questions with other listeners. You can also subscribe to the Add to Cart weekly newsletter and browse some of the video highlights from our chats. There is a lot there. That's addtocart.com.au. And if I can ask you one thing before you go, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend or a colleague who could benefit or leave us a review. It really makes a difference. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep those customers adding to cart. Listener.